What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's happening, guys? It's Matt Panella, also known as Matt Bangswood, framer and YouTube based out of Central California. Today, we're going to be jumping on with Johnny Savage, an estimator based out of California, to talk about what it's like to be an estimator, how the field and back office can work better together, and finish off with what he's doing to bring younger trades into the industry. Johnny Savage. Yo. Savage. <laughs> That's his real show, last man. name. That is yep. his real yeah. last name. Not, not a stage name, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh and thanks for the clap i appreciate that yeah we're <laughs> trying to do that the, on every episode the habit's right. not there but we're we're getting close right yeah. it's not uh, your stage well, name either no well then thanks for having me on guys i appreciate this we're glad yeah, to have man. you i'm also very surprised to hear that that is your true last name i saw that on linkedin and i wasn't sure whether or not you had like a matt bangs wood name or if that was truly your name, you have a rad name, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I came prepackaged with my YouTube name. <laughs> your parents are all, we're birthing an influencer. Here we go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this episode. Uh, there's a really big disconnect between uh, the back office and the, the field guys in the industry. So it's, it's going to be good getting some of your thoughts on what we can do, build the respect between the two, and uh, just how we can make the two more efficient. Yeah, and I, I I really appreciate um, Hammer, the the social media app that you have. Um, just uh, just actually being able to see the guys in the field a little bit more across the industry. I mean, I wish LinkedIn had more field guys on there, but um, it's just nice to have a place where you know you can kind of chat and see what's happening in the industry. Because you know my my work is a hundred percent dependent on understanding what's happening in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, the LinkedIn my, for construction, as I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, I, I, this is, I'm so passionate about this. You know, I know that there's a, there's a huge disconnect here and, um, and I, I want that to change. Um, yeah, same so, here, man. When yeah. I, when I saw you pop into the app and I read your name, I was like, <laughs> this guy's name is Savage. And I went to like your profile on Hammer. And I was like, I wonder if this is actually his last name. And then I like did some research on you and everything, but I just was so pumped. I was like, this guy's name is Savage. That's so badass. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So before we jump into it, we're just going to do a really quick, brief background on you, uh, who you are, what yeah. you do. And then we're immediately just going to jump into the topic episode so everybody can just get into the meat of stuff. But, uh, just so people get a little bit better understanding, uh, who you are, what you do. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm everything, but the construction starts. So marketing proposal, writing, estimating for a small company in San Diego, um, and what we do is earthwork and, uh, commercial renovations for usually the Navy, but a couple different federal agencies and some commercial stuff. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I did the trades for a little while and, um, I got into sales after that. So that kind of led me into, uh, into an office side of construction. So, um, so you went the, yeah, the, you went the entire, you went trade and then back office. Yeah. Do, do you yep. feel like having banks. some experience in the trades helped you from what you do now? Absolutely. Because uh, I, I've always said that I feel like architects and engineers, whether they want to or not, a couple years in the trades or even a year would benefit them so much when it comes to doing their job. And I, I feel like that that's what you're saying as well. 
Yeah, I I wish I like this is insane, right? But I wish that everybody in the construction industry at least spent a year in the field. Thank you. Um, they, they would understand yeah. <laughs> everything so much more. Yeah, totally. And it's it wouldn't be that hard. Like while you're in, while you're in school, like if you want to be a PM or an estimator and you're going to college for it, like take a year off. Go do a trade for a year yeah. and then finish out your school if that's if that's the right direction you want to go, you know. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. No. So for, any, for anyone listening, uh, let's let's touch on the estimator stuff, Johnny. But mm-hmm. anyone listening, uh, just give us a brief overview of what your day to day looks like. Gosh, it's varied with a small business, but um, it's I, I, primarily what I'm trying to do is identify in a request for proposal or in a scope of work what actually needs to take place. And so my job is to imagine the project happening, the schedule as well as the activities. And so I'm sitting there on an Excel document. I'm talking to subcontractors. Um, I'm always talking to our field guys and our, especially our operators um, and kind of figuring out like, hey, this is a weird, like this is really dense soil, but it's in this, it's this kind of soil. What do you think we bring out a D8? How long is that actually going to take you to do? You know, I'm trying to figure out um, every single day the projects that I have to submit, what is going to be required of us. So, um, yeah, that, that means getting, getting all the items together, building a fake schedule, you know, a, a, an assumptive schedule, which will be wrong. I guarantee you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then like trying to figure out what surprises there are and then writing up the proposals, which, um, especially cause we're in federal work. It's, there's a lot of just bureaucracy and showing that we know what we're talking about and, you know, giving our past performance and stuff. So I'm just collecting data. And, uh, and trying to tell any owner and user what we're actually going to do. And then, you know, making sure that we're going to, you know, beat our competition price-wise, you know, we're actually going to get the work and then uh, make sure that we're not going to lose any money on it. So you, that's, you take, you take the guesswork out of it because I know yeah, you guys do some bigger stuff, but a lot of small time contractors, a, a big thing that they do is just throw prices around. They just throw numbers and hope it sticks. And you, you kind of don't really know what you're doing. With what you do, you have everything down to the number. You know exactly what you guys are putting in for a price. You know what your profit margins will be, everything you spend. You're guaranteeing success. Not necessarily guaranteeing, but you're confident in what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, um, and we, that, we, we, and like, for it, Johnny. you know, there's guys who do what I do and, you know, they'll, they'll try and put, you know, square foot cost to something. And that's, I, I hate that. I, I want to think about this, you know, that particular job and say, all right, with this exact scope of work, what am I actually going to need to do? What am I going to accomplish? And then, you know, just because carpet went in at one price before, well, this one, you know, I could have an overlay where, you know, the HVAC is, is working and the electricians can't get in. So then I have a delay. My superintendent's going to be more expensive. I mean, there's overlay that you don't expect. And so using square foot costs or generic costs, it's, it's a broken way of estimating. You know? we, we do much smaller projects than what you're talking about on, on the dollar side of things. But even with us, I don't bid anything based off of a square foot. I have a square foot right. price that is a good suggestion, but then mm-hmm. there's so many different variables that go into everything, like you're saying. So you can't just throw a number, a, a square foot number and just hope for the best. You have to play in all those variables to see what you're doing. Maybe we have 10 foot wall heights here, but we've got 24 over here. You're not going to bid those two the same. So like you're saying, (laughs) bidding based off of a single square foot price is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's good. Like, Hey, quick, 
I know it's how a much starting it generally, but yeah. Yeah. And if, and if I don't have the input from the field, um, especially like if we start doing something new or implementing some like new hardware that we hadn't had before, or that's like a new technology. Yeah. Um, I need input from the field because otherwise, you know, most of the time I would say there's like a, there's, it's, we lose jobs because, you know, we put too much money on, on top because yeah. we're, we're unsure of things. The more sure I am because I know the field, then the better the estimate's going to be. The, the tighter you guys can get. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the estimation, um, talk to us about the crossover between the office and the field. Uh, what are you thinking about when you're putting together those proposals? And also what needs to happen to have um, a good estimate? Yeah, I mean, um, at, at the end of the day, when, uh, when an estimate's going together and I'm thinking about what's happening in the field, um, it, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a place for those, you know, square foot costs and some, you know, RS means, you know, going in there and finding what the general costs are. But um, the more reporting I get back from the field, the better my estimates are. Right. And so when I'm like, um, I love, I love the videos that, that you've made, Matt. Um, Thank you. I've had a, yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of interns come in and um, we actually do a lot of the framing ourselves um, on the smaller renovations. Okay. And so, you know, they get to that and they've, they've only done, you know, they've only worked with subcontractors for carpentry. And so now we got to figure it out for our own guys, what that's going to take. And so, you know, I have them on the phone with, with some of our field guys, but at, at the end of the day, like imagining it is key. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's hard why, for a that's lot why, of people. Yeah. And, and the videos you've made are perfect. There we go. <laughs> I'm like stoked a, to hear that. A resource. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the more information we have from the field, the better. Um, and I think at the end, really what's, what's cool about, um, there's a couple companies where they lead with the field, um, where the guys in the field are, you know, reporting back, Hey, this didn't work. This did work. Um, you know, the superintendent is, is in charge of the project. The PM is just backup. Um, that's, that's my goal in estimating is to pretend, I mean, I am the amateur compared to a, you know, a subcontractor who's been working for years in the trade. Our guys were actually in the field every day doing it. Um, it, my numbers need to be based on what they do, what's actually going to be accomplished. And I don't know it as well as they do. So yeah, I guess, I guess with like, when I'm putting together some, some numbers, I want to be as in like, as tight in communication with the guys in the field and subs as I possibly can. If you, um, if you weren't, you would just be shooting numbers around. Right. I mean, right. how I, I get this question a lot because people that just jump into to contracting, they ask me all the time, like, how do I bid this? And it's like, well, yeah. a lot of the times when, when we bid homes, we base it off of what our guys can put out as far as square footage goes. Like we know that they could frame a thousand square feet and X amount of time. You have to, right. like you're saying that field experience is such a key thing when it comes to throwing numbers, because without that, you're, you're simply guessing. Yeah. And I, and I think with the field, like, I don't, I feel like a lot of companies that I've been at, um, the field doesn't feel like they're that as important to the office. Like they don't, they're, they don't feel the like grunt labor side of things. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're all the estimators are sitting around like, dude, how do we make this accurate? <laughs> how do we like, and, and the, and that's answered by the field guys understanding that they are the driving force of the company. Um, and, and like wanting to talk to the rest of the, the construction company. So, you know, yeah. you got your estimators, you got your PMs, they should be talking to field guys as much as they can. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's like the people in the office just get so caught up in the amount of work they have. Like 
they'll just get lost. And so um, I would somehow, I, you know, with across the industry, I would love to encourage, you know, f- anybody who's working in the field to like, to be the people reaching out to the office or like if they have a day where they come into the office, you know, just to fill out paperwork or work with HR, like, you know, just go around it and shoot the shit with some people in the office, you know, kind of get that repertoire a little bit more honest and, and just fun, you know, cause that's, that's where it comes from is like, you know, the office knowing and understanding that the field is like where the money comes from and where the accurate numbers are going to come from. Right. And the field understanding their value. And, so do, and do you feel like there's the a, a true, yeah, I, I've, I've worked with some people that are like that. It's a true disconnect from like the people in the field are just a grunt. And then the people in the office are like the high ups, but like when it comes down to it, they need each other to win without mm-hmm. the people in the field. I'm sorry, but your stuff's yeah. not getting built. And without the people in the office, I'm sorry, but you guys aren't working. And <laughs> I've, I've worked That's with some well super polished companies I'll, I'll put them on blast here. Ferrera Incorporated out of San Luis Obispo, California, and they are on fire. They have structural in-house. They have architects in-house, project managers, employees in the field, and they kill it every single time. Their projects are more detailed, even if it's a small little place. We did an ADU for them, and they killed it. We had everything lined up prior to us stepping foot on site, when most of the time I have 10 RFIs and questions out the ass. And they were, they were just freaking as polished as you can get. Mm. And they have, they, they care about employees in the office and out. So I, I truly think that that's the way to success right there. I, I love that field first mentality. I mean, we were, we were even talking before we started recording about kind of the disconnect with even construction technology is most of these technologies are integrated from top down, but never really keep the field in mind or they're built by people who just don't understand the field at all. And so there's already like a breeding disconnect because it's made for the people in the back office. Yeah, They tell the people in the field what to do and how to use it. In all reality, it's actually making the guys on site a lot slower because they're doing all this manual data entry. They're having to learn a new tool and it's just not intuitive for them. It's intuitive for the people in the back because they're just looking at data, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's great. Why can't you input that, right? we're talking about the whole yeah we're talking about the whole service thing and everything like getting cellular connection but i think even that needs to improve too but i I just love your mentality of you're you're talking about like what drives the business is the field and being field first and i think if we just really start pushing that it's not only going to elevate the trades as a better career path by putting people in that position but it's going to help the overall organization profit better yeah. better morale, everything, right? It's a ripple effect. Yeah. So I, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you wish the field knew about the back office? Cause there's a big clash between field and back <laughs> office and even respect. Right. So yeah. I'm curious to dive into that. What, what do you wish that the both parties knew about each other? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, I think, I think at the end of the day, the office knows how important the field is, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, they, they might not express that. Um, but I think, I think um, the attitude that uh, both parties has needs to be adjusted. So what the office is, the point of the office is to support the field. So a PM is there to make sure the super doesn't have to be thinking five weeks ahead. They can just focus on the next couple of weeks um, you know, the, the field guys, like they shouldn't have to worry if they're going to have material on site or if there's going to be a exactly. scheduling issue, you know, that they're, be they're there to like, like they gotta be, they gotta be the, the hands on site and they shouldn't have to worry about anything. That's an office responsibility. 
because the office's job is just to make sure that there's nothing that's going to slow down the schedule. There's nothing going to, you know, people are going to show up on time, you know, the subs are going to know when they should be there or, you know, like it's, it's connecting all those different points. Um, and like, and it's, and it's, uh, it's that backroom team, you know, it's like the stage hands on a, on a play, you know, yeah. it's like, that's what the office is, you know, where the guys move in the sets and stuff so that, so that the guys in the field can shine. You know? I don't, I don't like to bring up COVID often, but this is such <laughs> a key thing with COVID right now too, especially because mm-hmm. I, I know people that have windows that are 16 weeks out, like, scheduling and stuff nowadays is key and then even Mm. even with material itself we've we've taken quite some time getting material so having the guys in the field like you're saying being able to focus on the structure itself while people in the office are able to take care of scheduling that's key to success right there Mm -hmm. and that's that's the end of the day it's it's that relationship i don't know if it's always expressed or if every activity feels like that but i think if you were to ask any office people they would they would say that instinctively, but you know, it's, it needs to be repeated and practiced every day that my job is to support the field. I'm getting work so that, you know, we can, we can go out there and actually work. It's like, I'm not creating a fictional job site for estimating. I'm, I'm planning out what's actually going to happen, you know, yeah, based PM off of experience prior with this right. company. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I that's, feel like a, a lot of the times people see it as blue collar and white collar one when, when in reality, yeah. both of them make their, their living based off of the blue collar workforce. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Everything that happens at a company is because of the field. So, you know, that it's the office's job to keep them successful. Yeah. We yeah. got a preach <laughs> we got a preacher on the podcast today. <laughs> I love it. So since the podcast and everything we do is, is very in the field focused, I'm curious to ask you, how can guys in the field help a company win jobs? Yeah. um, The, the most important thing with winning jobs is knowing what it's going to cost. And I think we've kind of covered that. It's like, if you can build a repertoire with the office people, especially the estimators, um, then, you know, kind of those, uh, those, those surprises, you can kind of like, you know, you can, you can bitch to the office guys. You can bitch to the estimators like, damn, dude, it takes a long time to put that thing in. And the estimator's yeah. like, oh, crap, I didn't know that. Like, I thought so that, that was just an easy part of it. So then with so, like new, new materials we talked about as well, things could take mm-hmm. longer based off of that. Because I, yeah. I've noticed that that myself, we've, we've been installing. Have you seen zip system sheathing? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been new to us and we just recently started using it. But even with a product like that, you'd think it, it's still sheathing, but it does take longer. We have to plan things accordingly. Uh, when mm-hmm. we pull nails, we now have to flash over those nails. So it's been a, it's been a learning curve for us. And I wouldn't say that it's going to change it all that much, but I get what you're saying about new products can definitely take longer or a shorter time. And that needs to be accounted for. Yeah. And it, I mean, imagine on like a, on a huge, like a huge facility, I'm not working on those size projects right now, but you're working on a $70 million job. And the, the framing, like, you know, a delay of an extra hour a day, that just adds up that adds <laughs> over up real time. quick. So if, yeah, I think that that repertoire being there encourages people to talk about the, the headaches and those headaches are like, are, are an easy chance. There's, there's probably more official ways you could do this, right? Like you could have dailies that are more accurate and, but that's, that's not, you know, there's, there's, that's just, it's going to lost in all that information. I just want to, I just want to talk with the field guys. I want to hear what are the problems that they're running into? They didn't expect, you know, what's so the, how, what's the headaches? <laughs> how often are you in the field talking to these guys that are working? 
Um, pretty, pretty frequently, uh, cause we're a small business. So it's, okay. it's a little more natural here. Um, okay. I, I think it's not so much forced. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like at a big company, I don't know how to implement all it. Right. This is all like, Hey, these are the ideals, you know, that oh, that, that's pushing. all right though. The more we can but, get the better. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's, you know, for me, it's a little bit easier cause we're all kind of one small team and we're working together. Um, and so, we, we talk about what's going on. Um, you know, it's at a bigger company, I'm sure it's a little bit harder to, to get that. Um, when I was working at RQ though, we, um, we had the field guys in, in the office quite a bit. Um, so that, that was a fortunate situation where it was just like, Hey, hanging out around the break room or whatever, as the, in between jobs, you just chit chat about how things are going, what the struggles are. That, That makes sense. Right. So I don't know how to foster that at a big company, but I've had good experience so far. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. But yeah. And then um, I, I guess the, the more information the office is going to get from field guys, the better the estimates are going to be. Um, but then the, the work, the work that we get is also sometimes built off relationships. Right. And so I think field guys need to see themselves as on-site marketers. Yeah. They're the ones who are showing the professionalism uh, that, that, you know, they're able to like communicate with whoever comes on site. Um, we have a guy, Kirk, he's our general superintendent, but that's his whole career. He's just kind of talked with anybody who shows up. So if it's a contracting officer or one of the end users, you know, he's like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and kind of giving, uh, giving anybody from the owner kind of a glimpse into what you're doing. It's always a positive, you know, if you're seeing yourself as like marketing and, we've gotten a lot of work because our field guys are kind of all really friendly. Um, and so like, especially we we're up at San Pasquale tribe and um, you know, people from the tribe are coming over all the time. Like, Oh, what's, what's happening here. And because our guys have been like, Oh man, we're doing this. This is exciting. Like they're like, I like, I like DVR, man. They're cool. Yeah. You're and not gotten us work. Or <laughs> treating them like shit. I've, I've right. worked on some crews, man, where people show up and, the leads who the fuck are you and i'm like man cool it a little bit like we, we had we had one case i i think about it all the time so um on the youtube channel i've got a guy named matt fox that works with us he's he was pro skater when he was younger and he's kind of just like this he looks like steven tyler's nephew or son it, it's hilarious but we're out at this three-story project out out by the beaches and this guy shows up spraying roundup and roundup had a class action lawsuit like supposedly it wasn't healthy and stuff so matt fox gets down from this house that we're building and he goes over to this guy and he's like hey man you mind not fucking spraying this shit everywhere and the guy looks at him and he's all i'll quit spraying it when you quit smoking that cigarette and then he's all by the way i own this development and and matt matt (laughs) Matt didn't even know what to say he comes back over and i was all matt you know that's the fucking owner right and he's all yeah i i just figured that out I was all, don't tell him anything, please. Like this guy owns a $10 million development here. Let's just stay good with them. Yeah. So yeah, treating people that come on site is a great thing. Yeah. And I I had the, I was really fortunate. I, when I was um, like early in the trades, I was working with a a landscaper. And so, um, but I was also like, I would, I would start my day by going door to door and selling landscaping services and then finish off finish off my day by doing labor for like six hours and so i kind of started with this attitude of sales like hey we are a good landscaper it's a key thing yeah and then people would come back like while i'm pulling out a stump and i was like you know they'd be talking to me and i i had that i was already set in that mode of like selling 
Yeah. And so I'd be like, um, I'd be willing, like if they asked me to do something else, I'd be like, yeah, let me just check with my boss. And I was just happy about it. Um, and that got us to do a whole bunch of extra work. Like he started doing patios because of some, some of the relationships we built that way. Um, just because they're like, wow, like your team is really nice. And, you know, I asked them to do something and instead of saying, well, I got to check with my boss. They were like, yeah, let me check with my boss. It's just See, like that. That's the sales mentality that I have as well is like, you're, you're happy, mm-hmm. happy with everybody. And right. I mean, when problems occur, you take care of it, but you never have that bad attitude. And that's something we look for in employees as well. When it comes mm. time to hiring is people that have a smile, people that can talk to people. When we have, when we have employees that can talk to our clients, like we would talk to them. That's freaking yeah. key right there. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we need. We don't need shitty attitudes because shitty attitudes don't create business. Right. And it, yeah. and it, it kind of stinks having it, you know, somebody on the team who, who hates everything they're doing too. Oh yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah. A sour patch on the job yeah. site. <laughs> I've been that from time to time. So I can definitely. Yeah. No way. It. No way. Matt. No uh, way. Don't get my coffee in the morning. I am a hell of a person <laughs> well, to deal yeah, with. Your, your pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> you betcha. Oh man. He actually uh, drinks those to anyone uh, listening. So. Uh, okay. Bullshit. Because they quit carrying them about two weeks ago when they ran. Oh, okay. <laughs> Starbucks fault now. <laughs> He's like, look, on my calendar, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Damn it. On your calendar. Uh, dude, I, I like the point that you brought up about the, the field being the marketers. I've never heard that before. I haven't uh, either. We, we talk about this a lot. Um, you know, we've even had some pushback with Hammer. Uh, some people saying like, well, why would I want my field guys on there? Because it's just going to, you know, put them out there and they're going to get poached, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, you know, if you treat your workforce well, they're not going to be just getting poached right and left, right? It's about how you treat people. But I love the point that you brought up about having the field be the marketers because that's something that I've personally believed in. Like everything, obviously, that we do with our social media hammer, like it's so field focused. Like Mm. we're highlighting people that are, you know, bridge carpenters. Who does that? Not many people. And so uh, a point just stuck with me after you said that. Um, And I'm curious if you have any thoughts to elaborate on that. How else could the field better market the industry or the projects? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people who are excited about what they do. Right. And so stick, you know, if some companies just, you know, had the, you know, had somebody who wasn't, you know, shy, right. Um, That works in the field, just, throw them behind a camera every once in a while, <laughs> have them talk about what you guys are doing. You know um, I think that's an intentional thing you can be doing. Like I don't, I've actually talked to a lot of our field guys and uh, a lot of them are pretty shy. So they're like, they nah, tend to be. Like, yeah. Or like, uh, like I'm making videos. Like, I don't know, that seems dumb, but like, if you can like, and I've, I've been trying, I've been like, guys, like this is going to get us work. This is going to get us sub like trust from subcontractors. This mm-hmm. is big GCs are going to see us and they're going to, they're going to like that. We're actually putting it out there. You'll um, see some of those bigger companies doing that. They, they don't just showcase mm-hmm. the contractor or like the high up PMs. They're showcasing people that are in the field. And I think they're doing a killer job with it because they're, they're putting somebody in the spotlight that's never been. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, if I'm going to show my kids a video of construction, they're not going to want to watch a video of some guy talking about what he does with the schedule. They're like, you know, I want to yeah, see the tractors. Exactly. I want to see the yeah, saw. Let me see the I'm big like, digger. We're all grown up kids. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to market it, it market the fun stuff that we do, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The 3d designs and the, the renderings aren't that fun to look at. No. Yeah. 
No. I mean, it's great, <laughs> but seeing see that perspective from someone actually in the field of like, it reminds me of the show. Uh, it, it, it's called like how I how it's built or do you know how what it's made? About? how it's made yeah how it's made is it how it's made yes mm-hmm. okay well we just we just coined a new show so that's cool <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah how it's made but it reminds me of that and it's cool mm-hmm. to see like even some of those bridge carpenters that uh we talk to pretty often I've, i would have never have been able to imagine that's what it looks like mm-hmm. a bridge in progress and well you so don't ever get cool that inside that, information because the contractor that's that's contracting it doesn't show anything like that Mm-hmm. yeah well never- and i you know i saw this i so there's something too about the construction industry that that needs to shift which is seeing us all as kind of a team you know yeah. even if we're competitors um and uh you know when when building connected started and construction connect where we're all you know you can get into this big network where if i update somebody's email address it gets put in there right and um and there was like an old mentality like well i don't want to share my content the contacts that i have and I'm like, yeah, but then you get to find out the next 15 guys in that trade yeah. who are awesome at what they do. So it's like you have to trade a little bit of like your trade secrets yeah. for some value. And so, yeah, what, with what you were saying, Breck, about um, the guys in the field, like putting themselves out there, they might get poached. Well, you might be able to poach some guys from other companies. You know, it, go, if, it goes both ways. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where we're heading. I think in the next five years, people are going to be a lot more open with like what they call like trade secrets. I don't, don't want to be mean, but it, it's the older generation stepping out and the younger generation stepping in. Because to be honest, I will give you any contact info I've got for whoever, builders included. Mm-hmm. And if you can get something from them, that's awesome because we do too. And it's not like right. you're, you're not going to kill our business by taking the next bill. I mean, if you swipe <laughs> something out from under us, it, it might be fighting time. But aside, <laughs> aside from that, I'm all for sharing connections because that's the same way that I got those connections is from someone sharing them with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We and, don't, and we don't have a shortage of building either. I mean, no. No. we have a Keep shortage of the population. <laughs> shortage of workers. Yeah. We, we have the shortage that. of the S on the end of there, the builders. Yeah. yeah. I was right. reading a statistic the other day and it was, this is just including commercial. So let's take residential out of it. We need to build 13,000 buildings per day to keep up with Holy crap. And population. AKA yeah. a fuckload of buildings. <laughs> that's insane. That's yeah. insane. And that's, and that, that's right commercial now, only? Yeah, that excludes residential. Damn. I, I believe it came from uh, one of Autodesk's uh, little publication companies that they have. That's I'll, have to, I'll have to bring it up. I can post it online. But yeah, I was extremely yeah. shocked by that. I mean, it makes sense for a 10 billion person planet. Right. Not that but crazy. like you, you think you think about it too, though, like um, on the other side of that, I work with the AGC all the time trying to get people involved in trades, trying to get people over to this industry. Um, and, uh, you know, like my 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 job PMs, they're 57 percent of companies can't find enough people. But in the trades, actually like doing the work, it's 80 percent of companies have an in, innumerable hard time getting people. Um, and that's like this big report that AGC put out there, like 80% of companies can't mm-hmm. find people to work. I saw that. That's wild. You know? Why, why and, exactly uh, do you think that is though? Do you think it's because like, as far as the the younger generation, obviously that's where the, the disconnect is there. Do you think it's because they, one, don't want to do the hard work or two, just don't know about the industry? I think there's a, there's a lack of, of marketing how awesome construction is. Okay. Um, to the outside world because you know you want to get into um like office stuff you want to become an executive at a company 
well, there's plenty of people going to college for all of these, you know, skills. Like there's all these skills that you learn at college. But um, if you want to get into an industry where you have a career, um, you can open your own small business. You could get into estimating project management, um, start in the trades and you have a skill that other people don't and you have an, a re relationship to the industry. Um, and that's like, it's, it's an awesome on-ramp, but yeah. you don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know many people who hear that, but I've got a bunch of, you know, young guys who, um, you know, are in my circles who are in the Marine Corps because we're right by Camp Pendleton. Um, and they're getting out and they're like, well, I have this school money. I guess I'll go to school. And I'm like, dude, Berg Electric down the street will get you in an apprenticeship program. You'll get paid. And then the military will cover the apprenticeship cost. That's Do awesome. that. Like, why is this not something that's talked about? It's, it's wild to me because they have, they have career counselors. And, um, and so my buddy got into it. Now he's becoming an electrician. Oh, heck yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I was telling him like, dude, five years out, you're a service disabled vet. Yep. You know how to do electricity. You can, you can start your own electrical company and absolutely kill it. There's jobs that are set aside just for your future mm -hmm. company yeah. um, for service disabled vets, small business. Um, and you'll get work that other people can't and you're an electrician. Like you have a skill that is translatable for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but electricians, <laughs> electricians are going nowhere. They're they're You're not just going to wipe that trade off the map. They'll forever be here. It's like a freaking car mechanic. Right. You are, you are in business until Honda and Toyota and everyone else goes out of business. And I'm sorry, but that's not coming soon. Yeah. And it's like, go to business school, you know, start like a restaurant or something, walk out with 10% overhead profit. Yeah. Get, become an electrician, start an electrical company, walk out with, you know, generally, if you're a small business, you do this kind of stuff, 25%, you're doubling what you could do by going to spending the money at college and wasting your time being in an office. Like you could be out in the field, actually making something that you can point to your kids and be like, I put in the electrical on that building. Like yeah. that's a fun way to start your career. And then you end up in the same place as that guy who got the master's in business but you make more money. <laughs> well, you, know, you know who I know that freaking kills it is plumbers and electricians that take on 24 hour freaking calls. Mm -hmm. Plumbers in the middle of the night. I'm sorry, but if you call a plumber <laughs> at midnight because your pipes burst, you better get out your freaking your checkbook because you're writing a fat one. <laughs> but to be fair, you will, you're willing to do it because otherwise all your stuff is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, oh, you need that. It. It's, it's a necessity and damn, dude, they kill it. My, my pops just had, uh, he did the tile in his bathroom. Everything came out awesome. It, it's finished. And then he freaking fires up the shower and the, the drain doesn't work. And he just put in a new drain and he's like, shit, I screwed <laughs> something up. Well, mm -hmm. it was, it was clogged way farther back and we don't, we don't do plumbing at all. So he called out a plumber. He came out, snaked the thing, pulled out a gnarly old wad of who knows what. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said from the time he stepped foot in the door to the time he left, it was freaking like 11 minutes and he mm -hmm. got charged 275 and he's like, he, he just freaking killed it. He wasn't, he wasn't pissed to pay him that, but like he made good money real quick. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's skills that other people don't have. But yeah. it's, it's I, such a, it's like a frowned upon industry because people think like you can't do good. Like, I'm sorry, but you don't call a plumber or an electrician and expect to pay less than a hundred dollars for anything. Yeah. That just to show up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It should be I, I think a lot of, of people, like I think a lot of people forget that the world just doesn't show up and build itself. I mean, yeah. 
like the biggest yeah. misconception. It's like every room, every building, every hospital, every school, like everything mm-hmm. is built by people building it. It's like right. not a very hard concept, but I think a lot of people hmm. forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I want to touch on uh, too, before we jump into your AGC stuff, um, I think there's just a big, big uh, misinformation on the industry. Like with NKBA, uh, next up, one of our partners. I mean, when they're going to high schools and they're educating some of these students on the trades, they don't know how much they can make. They don't know the trades available to them. They don't know a career path. They don't know about advancements. They don't know about the physical requirements. They know literally nothing. Mm-hmm. If they have a family member in the industry, sure, they might know something uh, because they've witnessed it. But overall, I mean, not many of these students know anything about these career career opportunities. It's like it almost doesn't even exist. But you have like these school counselors that are only kind of training them on um, and opening up career paths that they they know about or that they went down. And so, I mean, with- I, I think part of this falls back on the fact that schools are rated and that this is a yeah. flawed system, in my opinion. The schools are rated on how many of their kids go to college. And I really right. don't like that because, I mean, let's be real. If you brand your business based off Yelp reviews, what are you going to do? You're going to push every client you've got to leave you a freaking Yelp review. It's the same exact thing they're doing because they're pushing everybody, hoping that they get that statistic that one more of their students went to college. And you know, for a fact, if they started pushing kids towards the trades that they would go, because if, mm-hmm. if you tell a kid, Hey, you can make up to a hundred grand after a couple of years, they're going to do it. Why did, why did mm-hmm. they be a nurse? Why, why did they do anything related to college? Because money motivates. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and like, you know, I, I went right into the trades after high school and, um, and I didn't get, I didn't get to college until, uh, well, a couple of years after that. And it was because I wanted to, you know, I'm like, well, I, I could, I could handle college. Right. But, um, it was because I kind of had a direction. I'm like, all right, yeah. Like, let me get that under my belt. But that's if, if, if a kid is thinking about going to college, like, why do it right after high school? You have yeah. no life experience. These classes aren't going to have any contact little bit and then come back so if if that's what you want to do you know you don't have to go to college to start a business so yeah. you can yeah, yeah. making a whole bunch of money without going to college but if you go into the office or some company just get your trades couple years in the trades then go back you know yeah. how many architects do you know that actually like worked in the field who know like well i i'm designing it this way but that's going to be a headache to build, <laughs> you know, very few, if they knew yeah. what they were, that, that this falls right back onto what we talked about prior. If they had any experience in the trades whatsoever, it would help them understand things because I've had them draw some connections for me. And I'm wondering where in the hell did you come up with this idea <laughs> or mm-hmm. just looking at stuff that's drawn on paper thinking this does not even work. Mm-hmm. It looks great. I, it, the saying stands, it looks great on paper, but it doesn't work for shit in the building world. And that, yeah, it's what we run into quite a bit. So like you're saying, if they can find their way into the trades and understand what they want to do more prior to going to college, it'll help them with their direction a lot. Cause a lot of the kids that I talk to, they don't know what they want to do, but they go to college because that's the norm. It's what they're supposed to be doing. So they think, mm-hmm. so it's what they do. Right. Yeah. Tell, tell a kid that age, what prevailing wage is for a laborer. Right. <laughs> Might make them raise their eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, things, things can change a lot more like that. And that's oftentimes when we talk to kids and we tell them what our starting pay is, they're stoked because we're paying way over minimum wage. So at that point they're thinking, shit, I'm all for it. 
mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't tell them that when they're in, in high school at all, mm-hmm. but we are, we're going to freaking invade every one of those damn classrooms and college <laughs> ratings. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yep. Johnny, right. uh, you're working with uh, AGC, Associate General Contractors, um, to get people into joining the trades. Uh, what are you doing about it, and how are you getting them excited for the career path? Yeah, well, um, I'm trying. My my current my current goal is to get as many kids onto the Hammer platform as possible, even Damn. if they're not working trades. <laughs> Just like go on there. I will not complain about that. Me neither. <laughs> yep. It's because it's cool, man. Like, you know, it's like. You know, you see see a guy actually like what they actually do. This isn't the before and after renovation pictures that post on social media. This is a guy yeah. using power tools, like you know, getting mm-hmm. to getting to put something together um, that's tangible. Especially with all these kids who are like into crafts, and you know, they're all on that like uh, they do that Pinterest, and you know, they want to yep. try making stuff themselves. It's like, dude, you want to do that for a job? Um, and so I'm sending them the the way of hammer. Um, but then also like, um, the, the, the goal of the AGC and getting younger people into the, into the industry, um, is to build up that workforce. Right. And so, um, there's, there's a host of opportunities that would absolutely like, like make the, uh, make the agency ecstatic if kids were getting involved in, um, especially masonry, man, shoot, there's no, there's no masons anymore. Um, there's not, that's a, that's what my grandfather was by trade. And that man, he's skilled as hell, but there's not very many of them left. Oh, it's, it's hard work, right? I mean, you know, well, you break the your the day, back, their hands don't fucking move, <laughs> but they are tougher than nails, man. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm just, any way that I can, I'm advocating, um, local chapter of the AGC for, uh, we're getting, we're building up a, a, a new website to get kids involved and, That's um, awesome. and, and I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm still new to the, I'm still new to how I'm going to accomplish this, but right now we're setting up, uh, content and, and trying to get people onto content like hammer where they can see what it really looks like to be in the trades. Cause it's, it's not a cakewalk. You're going to work hard, but you're going to make money. Yeah. Um, and especially like um, all these, all these young people getting out of high school are saying like, you know, got to grind, you got to do your side hustle. Oh, they've like, all, they've all got hustle? the Instagram posts and hashtag hustle with their motivational quotes, but they go to college and I'm like, yeah. you want to talk about a hustle? A hustle isn't following a freaking suit with everybody else. Right. Yeah. Work the week for a contractor then you have a skill that you can go on the weekend and market yourself to people in your neighborhood you know you can you know get yourself on that thumbtack yep. um, which i don't know if, if any young people are listening there's an there's a there's a website where you can get on there as a you know as somebody who's like mowing lawns or you know you don't mm-hmm. have to be a contractor just like do some simple stuff and people will you, you'll compete with other people to do work for you know whoever goes on the website looking for help um, and you know, that's, that's what you'll eventually grow into. Like, as you get some experience, you can get your own contractor's license, work every day for somebody and, you know, build that side hustle. And then eventually that becomes your business. I mean, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to market to these, to people who are you know getting out of high school. Um, and there's like a bunch of people who are trying to find a career, right? They went to college and they're just, they're lost. And so the AGC, like they're trying to create as many avenues for young people to learn about what construction really looks like. And so that's, you know, right now, that's my goal is building, building those relationships and stuff. So 
I think helping those yeah. field guys become marketers too. So, That's so good yeah. because yeah. they can actually they can actually own their reputation versus kind of just jumping around company to company. This guy said this about me. It's like, all right, now I can actually carry my reputation with me, host my skills here. Exactly. And, uh, actually navigate the industry a lot better versus, you know, I'll take this job down the street because he offered me two jobs, uh, $2 more. And then this job, it's actually building that career path for them. I, I think mm-hmm. social media is helping out quite a bit with it too, because people are able to take pride in their work. Now they're able to showcase what they're doing and be proud of what they're doing rather than like back in the old days, you just build and on to the next one you went. So there was less, I wouldn't say there was less pride. People still took pride in it, but now people are really proud. They're, they're vocal about it. And you could see that on, on hammer. You could see that on Instagram. People want you to know what they're doing and they want to be proud of their builds. Think we're changing things up here, guys. Before we wrap up our episodes, we end with our fast five. This is five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. I didn't write these ones. Breck did. So we flipped around a little bit. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sharks would you find at a construction site? What kind of what? What kind of sharks? Sharks? Uh, tiger sharks. <laughs> Hammerheads? There we go. That was there we go. That was one we were looking for on family. <laughs> Number two, pickup truck of choice. Uh, I'm not going to be popular for this. Toyota. <laughs> Lifted oh, Prius. Nice, dude. That, that's <laughs> the Savage Prius. The Savage <laughs> Prius. Yes. Re- yeah. Reliability. No, my, I like that. My whole family's from uh, from the Midwest and c- car guys and stuff. So I'm like, I like Japanese trucks. And they're like, <laughs> they no, you, you are no longer a savage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number three, since we're on the Bread to Build podcast, what's your favorite type of bread? Mm, sourdough. Okay. I was thinking you were a wheat kind of guy, but sourdough works. Number, number four, <laughs> your one message to the next generation would be? Start your own business. I love it. Number five, what does bread to build mean to you? Oh, man. Oh, man. You can't say that to somebody who likes to talk as much as I do. What In one <laughs> sentence? <laughs> you, you could run with two or three. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, being bread to build is um, your you're made yourself into someone who who's going to be successful in the construction industry just because somebody else grew up around construction doesn't mean that they're more bred than you are your personality who you are might be perfect for being in the construction industry so um i love the bread for bread to build podcast because it it's it's bringing in so many different kind of people um and being bred to build means that you have worked hard at making yourself someone who can build i love it i that was a good answer, man. <laughs> different, different Johnny Savage. Most. I love it. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thanks for me. This is, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> Before we let you off the hook, where can people find and connect with you? Well, if you didn't hear, I'm on Hammer and LinkedIn. <laughs> um, Boom. <laughs> um, yeah, Johnny Savage, I think on Hammer. Uh, LinkedIn, um, this, it's K-O-P-I-J-O is my LinkedIn tag. Um, it's, I know K O P I J O. You can find me anywhere on the internet. It's Kopi like Joe? a word I made up. Kopi Joe. Kopi Joe. Um, yeah, it's, I, I made it as a username when I was a little kid, um, for like signing into video games and stuff. And then it became my <laughs> Xbox live account. And then like, I, I made a, you know, my Facebook little t- tag was Kopi yep. Joe. And then I'm like, I made my LinkedIn and that's my link to LinkedIn profile ends with Kopi Joe. And I'm like, dude, I don't, this ran away with itself. I have, my last name is Savage. 
I didn't make a pun with that. I could do so many things, but I'm like, Kobe Joe, like what? But yeah, that's, uh, but LinkedIn, you'll moral find the me. Story at, <laughs> moral of the story, connect with Johnny on Xbox Live. That's right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> there you go. That yeah. sounds also, like also your, username, your username on Hammer is just savage. And that is oh. pretty savage. Oh my gosh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. That's so badass. Savage. Yep. <laughs> yes. yep. That is pretty badass, man. All righty, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for listening to the 10th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review, share it on social, do what you need to do. If you want to follow us on social, find me on all ha- platforms, Hammer, Instagram, whatever else there is. You guys can find me on Hammer alone. I'm deleting everything else today um, at Matt. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to the 10th episode of the Bread to Build podcast. This outro is for you, Mr. Savage. Let's get it. I'm a savage, yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet, yeah. Sassy, moody, nasty, yeah. Hacking, stupid, what's happening?